Hello, you are listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the Microsoft, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too, Chris. Put on that smiling face. Put we on are, that happy face. Yeah, we are about to do a podcast. Chris is sitting over here looking all like stink-eyed for some uh, odd reason. Yeah, I've had a rough morning, in. Well, today, Chris, is May 11th, and I am your host, Ann Mazinga. And I am Chris Walton. And we're here once again, not to discuss your rough morning, but all the top headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing. What the hell yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah, no, going yeah. On? Well, so first of all, you, you might have picked up on this for the loyal fans. Today is May 11th, so it's not actually May 12th, which which is when we typically record this podcast. We're having to do it a day early because, Anne, you're going to sunny California on a I'm mom's trip I'm this weekend. I'm pulling a total diva move. It was like you will move this yes, podcast for me yes. and my girlfriend. Yes, and it's eight in the morning too. By the way, hey. when we're doing this, and I've had a sh- I've had a terrible morning. I woke up with a headache, which, given my medical history, is never a good thing. But and then, then I don't know if you've ever had this happen, Ann. I went to shave, but instead I instead I brushed my teeth for the second time. So like, yeah, so I don't know what was going on. Like mentally, I just haven't been there yet this morning. So God knows what's going to happen with this podcast. And then on my way into work, I stepped in dog poop in the parking lot. Like somebody oh. left their dog poop in the parking lot. Come on. Like on a concrete surface. And and yeah and and I and of course I wear my Jordan threes today mm. to work, which I never work? have done. They no, the they're not work? the patchwork. Oh, they're thank just, God. They're just the, the the more stylish. I don't even know what they're called. The gray ones, but they're sweet. Uh, shows you how not a sneakerhead I am, even though I try to portray that I am one. Um, but yeah, so it's it's been a rough morning. I'm hoping I can kind of slide into second gear here, try or get out of neutral, Anne. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you excited about your trip? Though? Oh my god, yes. You I got a new hairstyle. Look at Anne's new I hairstyle, know. everyone. For those watching on video, those people listening, and for those see. listening, imagine Anne with a new hairstyle. Yeah, it's shorter. By, it, you know, it's inspired by uh, a Spice Girls poster I saw at a '90s bar last week of Posh Spice. Posh Spice like, inspired. I like. I, Posh Spice had a thing going back in the 90s. She still does. What are you talking about? She She's does. like a fashion she maven. She absolutely You're not the does. first person Victoria to be inspired Beckham. by Victoria Beckham. I know. So, um, yeah, you know, we're all just getting ready. It's hilarious to hear how, like, moms right now are preparing for their own trip. Like, I was joking with you yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you were, like, yeah. we're like, what do we pack? Like, right. this is just what do us. I wear on the plane? Dad? Yeah. What do I wear? Do I wear athleisure? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is the dress code for this? What are we doing? Like, I'm placing a shipped order tonight for all of our food and booze for the week, which is actually a great concept Ooh, because yeah. by the time we arrive to our Airbnb in San Clemente, California, all of our booze and food is going to be there. Seriously? That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds I'm amazing. Yeah. So oh, and anyway, that's funny because I've got it. I got a fun things. lightning round question for you on your alcohol consumption plans mm-hmm. this weekend. All, All right. right, but and first we have to read our latest review, and this week's latest review comes from KJP underscore thirteen, and uh, he left this review, or he or she left this review on Apple Podcasts, and had this to say: How how has this show ever received anything less than five stars? Is beyond comprehension. Require listening for anyone in retail. And not only do I agree with KJP13, my question is, damn right, KGP13, who are those people? Show yourselves, I say. Six stars. I think there should be six stars, Ann, on this. It's like the ab workout, six-minute abs. That's how much, that's how many stars you should be leaving for OmniTalk. But those two or three people, they didn't want to leave their names. I can't find their reviews that like didn't give us five stars, but I'm calling oh, you out. The people the, that under yeah, five stars. Yeah, I, I want to know who they are. I want to know who they are. Um, you know, and and tell us because if you're listening. 
you know, we want to know. We want to know how we could be better, right, Anne? Yeah, Damn of course right. we do. Of course we do. Um, I I think maybe we can understand where five stars wouldn't come from this show specifically, based on how we've kicked things off. But you never know. Who knows? Oh, this stars are this show's already an eleven, Anne. It's eleven star show. Too today. many stars. Uh, but in all seriousness, as we say every week, please do if you're listening, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, etc., please follow, subscribe, like the podcast, so we can keep making the content possible for all of you. And we may just read your review aloud for all of our listeners here, good or bad. Yeah. And chances are your username on Apple podcasts will rhyme with either P or, 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 or B. B. Yeah. Right. Cause like, it seems like that's like the, the naming convention for all Apple podcast oh God, names. You know, that terrible yeah. thing, like put the P in the B. Do you remember that? I kind of do, yeah. but I don't okay. think I want to go there. Cause no, I don't remember okay. it well enough and could get into trouble. That's true. All right. In today's fast five, stick to what we're we going to cut news on Unilever's robotic ice cream trucks, Adidas going all in on foot locker, sweet greens, new digital only pickup format and close with a debate on Starbucks, right? To claim third place in the digital world. But first, we take off with big news out of Ikea this week. And oh, Chris, that is right. This was one of my favorite headlines of this week. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. According to the Wall Street Journal, Ikea plans to invest $3.2 billion in its stores. They are planning to modify between 30 to 40% of their big box stores to include new additions like parcel distribution centers to help distribute online orders. In addition, the retailer also said that it would use part of the investment to open more city center stores in places such as Stockholm, Toronto, and London, where IKEA plans to invest 1.2 billion euro for a new store on Oxford Street. Chris. Yes. I'm also going to once again put you on the spot right away. Right off the bat, second week in a row. Even the day that you step in dog poop. Welcome to my nightmare. The water is warm, people. Okay. We want to hear your thoughts. All right. A&M also wants to know Chris, Ikea's massive store footprints today are perfectly positioned to become distribution centers. You've talked about this many times Mm -hmm. for as long as I've known you, you've been talking. Yes, I have actually. Um, (laughs) Almost as if they planned for this a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Can the Ikea customer experience possibly be the same if you can't get lost in their planned smaller city center footprints? Ooh, that is a really good question. That actually might be my favorite Okay. A&M question of all time. I know I see. I haven't said that about this. I know I say this is my top headline of the year, but I haven't said that. That might actually be my favorite question because, um, well, I think to answer it, you know, does it put their kind of does it put their their current format in jeopardy or the way they do their business in jeopardy? I would say no. I think and the reason I say that is I think IKEA is really smart about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what they're trying to do here is hit another trip type. Yeah. So, for example, like I bring up the story of like they were talking about putting one of these um, smaller formats in San Francisco. Yep. Right. And they still have one out in uh, like in the East Bay as well, like the huge mega store. Yeah. And then they have another one down south, too, I think yeah. at this point. But I mean, back back in back. And I'll use my experience of back in, when I was living in San Francisco, they had one in the East Bay. We, and so like that trip type where you go to the big super center and your the ideas, you get lost. That is perfectly designed for the chore and this yeah. is why I hit Wayfair so hard where they need to go after this because this is a real thing where you move it. You're going through this. You need to move into a new house. Mm-hmm. You've got to get a lot of stuff and you've got to get a lot of stuff right then that day. Yeah. And it's not efficient to buy all that stuff online. Right. So people will make that trip like t- within a certain distance. Yes. Right. You know, there's a certain point where it comes too far. But the trip type for the urban liver, though, is a little bit different. Like, yeah, they might still go do that. Mm-hmm. But there are other points in time where you just want to go hunt and peck. 
and find things that you want for that moment or get inspired by how you want to do some design. So I think in that instance, if that's what they're playing to here, which it sounds like they are, because these are more showroomy type concepts, mm-hmm. I think it makes a ton of sense. And so getting back to the headline too, I love this headline. You you said it, but like I've been talking about for five years now, I first started in my swingers party yeah, speech yeah. where I talked about Ikea being the perfect example of the setup for omni-channel retailing because you have the warehouse in the back, yeah. the showroom on the front. The key was, though, it wasn't necessarily designed for e-commerce fulfillment. So the fact they're going to take, you know, what is it, 40, 60 percent of their stores and rejigger them this way mm-hmm. makes a ton of sense because you're right. They might have two stores in a the market. They don't need to do it for both. They can service the whole market from e-commerce. It's just it's just brilliant. And these guys, these guys know what the hell they're doing. They yeah. continue to impress. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I love this approach. And you're talking about the trip types being different. And I think that's really important. I also think that if you think about, especially over the last couple of years, just the evolution of buy online pickup and store for Ikea, like that used to be right. They're not non-existent, but now even, even in their major stores, I think, I mean, anecdotally, like as right. I've, I've moved my patterns to, I'm picking up curbside. I know exactly what I want to get. I just need a, you know, I need another Billy bookcase or whatever. Um, and I think that you're, they're really starting to shift to this mindset of now we can go in a smaller footprint, an urban footprint where people can order ahead of time and just pick up. We're going to take that experience that we've seen success with over the course of the last couple of years and offer that in a smaller footprint. I'm also hopeful that we start seeing in these stores. There wasn't a lot of mention of this in that article or um, in Ikea's release, but I'm hopeful that we start seeing scan and go like what they launched in Shanghai last year and starting to deploy not only like the buy online pickup and store components to this, but and the warehousing components, but also the shopping experience front ends being uh, simpler and and easier for people who are going through and walking through the store. But the other thing I think is really cool about this, Chris. I, know I love this here. concept yep. for malls. Right. I love this concept, especially you right. know what I really love this for. I was, just, I was just talking yep. to um, a local shopping district um, owner, landlord this week. And I was like, this is the perfect thing for like even an A-list mall, right? Because he's got like, he wants to draw in a younger crowd. You, everybody, you know, regardless of income level is interested in some, Ikea, like people have Ikea products in, you know, multi-million dollar homes. And it's, this is the most convenient way to do this in a small footprint. It's brilliant. Like I just, I think the possibilities with this are endless and I love it. Yeah. I a hundred percent. And I love that point. And like, the, I just looked it up too. like the example market street in San Francisco. Like yeah. it's, it's essentially that, you yes. know, like that's what you're talking about. And, and your point too, about the design for, you know, how do you think about this for returns, the resale products that they're trying to get into and rolling out nationwide? Like it just makes sense. It's the right time to do it. kudos all around on this one. All right, let's go to headline number two. Starting this summer, Unilever plans to deploy a fleet of on-demand mobile ice cream trucks known as, quote, the ice cream shop Robomarts, end quote. I'll take you to the ice cream shop. I think it's candy shop. Uh, yeah, I'm singing candy, candy shop, candy but I've, shop, but I've yeah. like converted Isn't there it for- part about lollipop in there too. But hey, all right. According to Chain Store Age, Ben and Jerry's fans in Los Angeles, along with other delectable Unilever treats like Briar's ice cream and everyone's favorite Magnum ice cream, will soon be able to hail the ice cream shop Robomarts to their location using Robomart's proprietary mobile app. Once the car arrives, and oh, this yeah. is gets to what you just said, they can swipe the app to open the car autonomously and then voila, 
are free to engorge themselves on as many sweet treats as they desire. Payments are also all made electronically in the app based on Royal Mobart's proprietary RFID system that knows when products have been removed from the vehicle. I think that's the most I've used proprietary in an opening in the history of the show. And so proprietary. Do you see Chunky Monkey from a ice cream Robomart in your future? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. (sighs) I love this. This is especially good. Unilever is apparently Unilever self-claimed is the largest producer of ice cream in the world. Um, Really? Yes. It's probably uh, true. Yes, probably is true. I didn't want to combat them and look it up. But uh, but, (laughs) you want to call BS on that one. We'll take your word for it (laughs) because I think this is so brilliant for a giant like Unilever to be doing in this category. Um, I think Chris, this is the next step in with a CPG like Pepsi, what we saw going to snacks.com. Unilever has been trying already to do direct to consumer um, ice cream through partners like Uber Eats, like DoorDash. They they kind of have created this, their own like ice cream shop. And now this is the next level of it. Yeah. And so I found Super this stat. Cool. According to convenience store news, Chris, people Ooh, search for drop. people search for ice cream on GoPuff more than 1.7 yeah. million times, and GoPuff delivered nearly 12 million scoops of just Ben and Jerry's ice cream in the last year. So boom, I, shots fired, GoPuff, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is just crazy. Yeah, like right. you think about oh, it's a huge now, stat, yeah. Unilever nice is circumventing the DoorDashes, the GoPuffs here. They're like, no, we're going to go directly yeah. to you. We're going to provide this awesome experience that you can hail your own Robo RoboMart, um, and get they get the benefit then also of having all of the first party customer data, right? That they didn't have, they right. wouldn't have, and right. they get to control the front end to back end experience. I just have to say, hell yeah to the Unilever team because this was not easy. I can yeah. guarantee you, having worked at a large enterprise, no. before, getting this to pilot phase, <laughs> like you guys all go, like, cheers your ice cream cones because this is one hell of a deal. But Chris, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you hail, you're hail, you're praising Unilever. I'm praising Ali Ahmed, the CEO yes, of Robomart. For sure, Ali. I mean, nice. Job. We've known him. I've known him since 2017, and I think this is. I've always thought this is a really brilliant idea. Yeah. And it's one that, you know, it's one that once the autonomous uh, technology comes more to the fore and government regulations yeah. keep pace, this concept is going to advance, I think, pretty quickly because quite honestly, it's better than GoPuff as an idea or the other instant delivery providers. Because think about it, and you kind of hit on it, but you just drive the store around autonomously. Yeah. And it, ultimately, it's probably on an EV charge, too. Right. And so and then it just has all the things you want quickly, which your stat about ice cream is perfect. Like. Yeah, you know what those things are at this point. Yeah, you know those things sure. you want in 15 minutes. So they're just driving around. You don't have to pick and pack them for each order. You just yeah. s- stage the car in the morning or however many times yeah. during the day and you're done. No sketchball like ice cream truck driver and weird music. No, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you still get the tune. I don't know. I can see them playing that, but but you maybe know, it's the ice cream shop. The, only the version I, that I just sang. Right, the, right. Yeah. Bridge version. The, what is that? 50 cent? Who's yes. that? Yeah. Uh, but the only thing that I'm wishing in, what? honestly, is what? that that I had invested. He came to me and said, can you, do you want to invest up front? And I was like, nah, I don't think I can right now. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this one got away from me and I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to be very bummed about that, but can we get you some ice cream to make up for it. Yeah, maybe, okay. maybe a little pralines and cream. You girls. All right. All right. Uh, headline number three, Chris Adidas plans to triple its sales with Foot Locker by 2025. 
Uh, according to Retail Dive, following Nike's pullback, Adidas plans to fill the void by going all in with Foot Locker. They announced um, Adidas being they announced a long term partnership with Foot Locker that includes expanding key franchises in women's, kids, and apparel, and that also makes Foot Locker the lead partner for Adidas basketball offerings according to a company press release. Um, Adidas said it's going to be targeting over $2 billion in retail sales from the partnership by 2025, which nearly triples its 2021 revenue level. Chris, what are your yeah. thoughts on this? I was really big on this story. You were. And I, I don't know. I'm, I, 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 I'm, this is where I, I do love when we have healthy skepticism in our debates. Too. Not like, the unhealthy I, where, kind. Yes, not the unhe- unhealthy skepticism. I don't, I don't, that's not recommended by any doctor. No. Definitely not four out of five dentists. No. But I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of this. And I am skeptical of this story, honestly. Okay. I think three times in three years yeah, seems a like a lot. And Nike hasn't just left. It's just scaled back. Right. Right. And so, so you have to be real about what's the demand here. So why do people suddenly want more Adidas shoes at the end of the day versus you're just increasing your distribution with Foot Locker? But, you know, when I get back, I mean, from Adidas' standpoint, I mean, it's like, what's the risk? You know, Foot Locker's probably clamoring for something to fill the shelves. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, am I buying the hype here? Well, are they going to hit those numbers? I, I'm I'm really doubtful. Yeah. But what do you think? I, you love, I, you wanted to cover this story. So I what did. is your thought? I agree with you. I mean, I do think that the goals are lofty, but you got to have goals. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Dude, it's not a plan until you write it down. And right. someone once told oh me, God. do you have a, do you have a mood board for that? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm like a Vision lot board? of quotes today. Um, okay. So here is why I wanted to include it. Currently in the U.S., there are only 176 Adidas brand stores. So if you're I'm going surprised to, there's that many. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was surprised too. There are 851 Foot Locker locations. So I think if you think about this in comparison to Nike, who has a thousand stores and they are planning on, you know, going bananas, building out more of the the local Nike local store formats. I think that this could be an opportunity for Adidas to really start to kind of take over share in the U.S., which they don't have globally. They're a bigger you know, yeah, brand. Right. But I think that this could be a, a strategy for Adidas to use Foot Locker as their footprints. I also think, you know, they hint at it in this article, but I think we could start to see them doing what Nike and Dick Sporting Goods are doing, where they're starting to merge like loyalty programs. They're starting to offer like combined, like exclusive releases. Like this does give yeah. them a footprint to do those things. Um, I think it's a smart strategy for both brands here. Will it pan out? Can they reach out the, or reach the goals that they're setting? Will people seek out Adidas in these formats? I don't know, but I think that if I'm at either of these brands, I'm signing up for this strategy. Yeah. I mean, I think they both, that's the funny thing about the strategy, like in the final word here is like, they kind of have to, right? Like they both kind of have to do yeah. this. Yeah. And so again, my question just comes back to, I agree with all your points about the stores. I think it's interesting Adidas, you know, being relatively understored in the United States. And I imagine this is, you know, but like, there's still all much, so much demand you can push through the bottleneck, right? Like yeah. how much demand is out there for Adidas? Is there that much there? I don't know. Time will tell. All right. Headline number four, according to chain store age, sweet green. This is one you fought for too. And yeah, will open its first ever location dedicated exclusively to the pickup of digital orders on August 1st in Washington, DC's Mount Vernon square neighborhood. 
The store will not have an inside dining area or front service line. Instead, customers will place their orders via Sweetgreen's website or mobile app and then can retrieve their orders from pickup shelves inside the restaurant. You can see that ordering from a mobile app is a theme that is becoming more and more prevalent each and every week. The site, while it offers no indoor seating, will also have outdoor patio seating. And your thoughts? Okay, I'm going to go on a rant here. Oh, wow. And I've been saying this for the last few weeks, especially about careful. Starbucks. Steve Dennis might go nuts if you go on he a might. rant. That's fine. Okay. Okay. This is just people have to accept that this is what we're going to start seeing a significant shift to in QSR restaurants, especially and fast food going in this direction, especially with what we're hearing in the news with payroll increases, hmm. the problems with staffing, the unionization that's happening among especially places like Starbucks. This is just so much smarter an approach. And I think where everybody, you and I, all of us are going, this is the direction we want to go. I can order. I learned how to do this through the pandemic. I can order things exactly as I want them with all of my modifications. These are scripted things. Sweet green puts exactly one quarter cup of a tomato in a salad. Like these are all very prescriptive recipes and there's no reason to have a line to wait in to watch somebody assemble this. I do not think so. If I can get it quickly, I can you know pay for it in app. This is the most brilliant way to tackle this. No lines, actually quick serve food and allows the human workforce in the stores to focus on helping people with orders or any other issues that they have not to be like giving your dirty money to me. And then I have to hope that you took your gloves off before you're <laughs> making my salad. Okay. Okay, so wait, so, so so you're ranting. So that that's your rant. Okay, so rant. so your rant is essentially that your position is that everyone should do this. Every QSR restaurant should go with this model. Should experiment with this if model. You're, yeah, if you're a larger chain QSR, you're kind of pissed that no not, one's done this. Faster. I'm not saying this is like for the barista that you go to at your local corner coffee shop. Like, no, this is not necessarily the route the for them. Touch thing. But anything from like. Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Sweet Green, like all these things could be drastically improved if they just did mobile order. So that's what you're angry about. That's what the rant comes. So you, you essentially feel like people should be trying this more this quickly than they are. Because it just makes so much sense. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, I didn't know you were gonna say that. Um, all right. I again I'm, I like this show because I've got I've got this is healthy debate where I disagree with you. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I think um I'm not as bullish on the ubiquity of this idea, okay. like that it's applicable to everyone in quick service restaurants. Um, What's an example of where you need to wait in line? Well, let for me food. Don't like, let me tell you why, because I yeah, yeah I think particular. I think because if you go this route, yes, there's some segment of your business of your demand of your volume that you're going to lose. And what comes to mind for me is particularly the large family order, where it takes me way too much effort to customize my order for everything my my particular family wants mm -hmm. in a mobile application. Like it's easier for me to go through the drive-through or even potentially go inside and relay that information to someone else. Now, it's not saying I wouldn't do it, but I think there's a portion of the population that if you went this way, it might not, it might make the restaurant not top of mind on their list. What do you guys do when you order takeout? For takeout? Uh, I mean, we do that, but like it's a DoorDash and stuff. I mean, you have to personalize and customize everything on that. So, yeah, that's a that good work? point. But I, I don't know. But the so funny thing about restaurants is like restaurant delivery is a little bit different, too, because restaurants, you don't customize your order as much. But I think you're right. But I do love it. I will say this. I will concede your point for 
the repeat, and I think this is what you're getting at, the repeatable trip types mm-hmm. where, um, where like a salad restaurant is a great example of this, I think, yeah. where, where, you know, you know what you want day in and day out. It's probably the lunch crowd. It's probably a single individual ordering that item. Mm-hmm. Like that actually, I 100% agree with you. They sh- anyone that has that trip tight is in the core part of their business or a core geography of the business should be going after this. Um, see, I completely disagree. All right, go. I, I disagree. Say, for large orders, I think it's even better because you have in front of wow. you the entire listing. Like, so I used to work on photo shoots, right? I'm yeah. going to pull this back out. I would be pulling order- back out, and yeah, I would be working and I have to order lunch for like 25 people. And I loved mobile ordering because for the first time, I have an exact printout on my phone of exactly how I can yeah, specify each true. order. And you're not telling a human being this thing. You're actually entering it into a space so that they can see written instructions of leave out the tomatoes, add, yeah. leave out the onions, like do all these things all right. instead of having to rely on hoping that somebody through a drive through window heard the correct order that you're trying to put through. Yeah, right. I mean, you might have convinced me. Yeah. And ultimately, the interfaces can get better, too. Like we talked about that story the other day. Like, why can't I talk to somebody on my mobile phone and convey exactly. my order through that way? And it could be a live person Use on the voice. other end, even yeah. yeah, voice, you know, voice technology still has places to go admittedly from the people that are in that space. But but yeah, you could you could be doing that, that you know, like you could do it that way, too. The other thing I do love about this story, I know real quick. Yeah, is. It calls to mind another point of friction for me in the QSR restaurant space, which is how do I pay? I hate that I order at the drive-thru and still have to hand more lines. my credit card to someone. Yeah. Why haven't they combined the ordering kiosk with like an Apple Pay kiosk or a card swipe thing right then? Yeah. And then I just go to a location or to another window. Why do I have to still go and pay separately? That's my rant here. That annoys me. And so if it gets me out of that too, yes. there, there's something to that. There's two sides to this story that I think are important. Yeah. Overall though, it's better. Yeah. All right. I think you got me. I think you got me. I, I, I'm not going to die on my sword for this one. I, I think I agree with your rant. All right. Let's close out the show at the last headline. All right, headline number five. So in addition to being a physical third place, Chris, Starbucks, the unofficial sponsor of this podcast, since we're drinking it uh, this morning, and just about every morning. Starbucks thinks it can also become a digital third place as well. In a corporate blog post, Starbucks chief marketing officer Brady Brewer said, quote, in the hyper digital era that we live in, the community connection that Starbucks has always created is equally powerful as we extend the third place connection wherever customers experience Starbucks. Warm fuzzy alert, Dan. Warm fuzzy alert. Quote, uh, <laughs> what if Starbucks, he went on to add, could create a new global digital community, a community defined by collaboration, experiences and shared ownership? all centered around coffee to start and then perhaps expanded into the many areas Starbucks has played in over the years as a coffee house, art, music, books, and beyond. Getting fuzzier, Ann. Getting warm and fuzzier. <laughs> what if we could, this is like, a, a, <laughs> this is his whole, this is this whole is statement though. It's like all these questions, right? Keep okay. reading them. It's great. What if we could create a new model of what it means to be connected to the Starbucks community? I feel like Elle Woods right now. Like on the, yes. Right. Um, yeah. What Some if passion could, speech, Ann. What if we could create an, a creative, a creative business, a creative business. Sorry. I don't even, I've never used that word before. <laughs> a creative business adjacent to our stores that ultimately benefited our partners, community and business. And Chris, what, what if we could oh do God. so using technology that supports our commitment to sustainability? So Chris, <sighs> I ask you and my fellow Americans, what do you think of Starbucks 3.0? Well, John F. Kennedy. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Now that you're playing that back, I'm like, Whoa, let's, That's let's insane. slow the roll on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, at, at, at its core, I, 
I like what it is right now in terms of like how he's when he goes on in, in his, his note, what he describes. But um, I don't agree with how it's publicized. It's been publicized as like Starbucks playing the metaverse, which yeah. I don't think this is. I think it's actually about how do you digitize Starbucks experience for Web 3.0 principles, which, as he states, are namely NFTs and blockchains like right. NFTs. For sure. Like people go ape shit for Starbucks cups. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, why wouldn't you, you why wouldn't they get a place with NFTs and then sustainability for blockchain? Yeah, 100 percent. I could see that being applicable, too. But the idea of like, you know, where people are trying to take this story of extending Starbucks into the metaverse and creating a third place in that digital world. Uh, I, I, I that's a hard pill for me to swallow at this point. Like, why would I want to you know, interact with Starbucks in that way when yeah. it's so much about the physical third place in my life, right? which is how it's been successful. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I agree with you, I think. And I agree with um, our our good old buddy here, Brady Brewer. But I think that it makes sense for Starbucks to be thinking about where their place is in the Web 3.0, the Web 3.0 version of Starbucks the metaverse version of Starbucks NFTs make sense. Like you said, I mean, Starbucks has had the most, one of the greatest successes in, uh, in social media of any other brand. Like they have the ability to do that, but there, the stuff is still centered around the products to me, like the, the TikTok, you know, hacks for your Starbucks, right. Like all these things are still centered around the product of the coffee. So I think it's going to be really important for Starbucks to figure out what's the Starbucks product in this virtual world. I think there's a place for them, certainly, but I don't know. I agree with you. Like, I don't know that it's a third place. Like I was even hypothesizing with my son this morning, like if you could get more uh, health on Fortnite by going into a Starbucks and ordering a drink on the Fortnite game, like, would you be incentivized Mm. to do that? And he was like, Actually, yeah, that could be. Kind yeah, of cool. that's kind of cool. But that's not just creating a Starbucks in the metaverse. Yeah, either. right. You exactly. Know? Like, that's, that's totally like, different. It's a totally different idea. Out, like yes. what your place is in this these virtual worlds, and I don't think it's just rinse and repeat. Like the metaverse is the third place already. So mm-hmm. I think that you know Starbucks being a place you have to go in the metaverse just as is doesn't work. Yeah, and I think that's that's important. I think that's why we do this show too, is because there's a lot of. I'm just going to say there's a lot of junk out there when you read the headlines and you have to click in them to understand what's fully going on. Right. There's digitization for Web 3.0. There's metaverse. Those are really different ideas. How you Your point about Fortnite and the interaction with Starbucks in that to incent purchase behavior right. in or out of that world, so to speak, is really interesting. And it's important to understand all those subtle differences here right. as we go along. All right, Ann. Great show, Ann. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited by this show. We've got a good pace going here, too. Let's close this out with All some right. speed questions. Let's do the lightning round. Chris, Kanye West just launched a new video called Life of the Party, which if you haven't watched this, go That's on YouTube and watch it. That has a variety of old photos of Ye that are retouched so that they are all wearing Kanye's new Yeezy and Balenciaga for Gap line of clothing. Chris, we watched this yeah, we did. yesterday. One, did this inspire you to attempt to purchase any of the clothing items? And two, to listen to any more of Kanye's music? Uh, well, number one, no. Like it was, it just wasn't my style, you know. And it's all very, it's all very, it seemed all very similar in style too. So I was it's kind so of, cool. it seemed like I one like note. You like it a lot, yeah. yeah. All right, fine. So I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll inspire lots of other people. What about the music? Um, but I've always been a Kanye fan. Yeah. Gold Digger, Gold Digger was always on my running playlist back in the day before I could, ru- when I actually could run. 
before health stopped me from running. But um, but yeah, no, I, I was a big Kanye fan. Okay. I, I, his music's pretty good, I okay. think. But, right. you know, what, you know, God's way thinking him. All right. And yes, Kraft Heinz is taking mac and cheese ice cream a step further, now expanding into <laughs> other products like Grey Poupon wine. Will you and your girlfriends, would you actually, let me rephrase that. Would you and your girlfriends ever consider drinking Grey Poupon wine this weekend on your mom's trip to California? What would it take? It depends on how late into the night we're talking and, uh, <laughs> and what else, what our other options are. If it's between like that and a Boone's farm, like hard seltzer or something, then yes, I, we might be reaching for the Grey Poupon wine. We're going to have a terrible heartburn. In the makes me day. think it needs to come with a sandwich. It's like the sandwich wine, it you is, know, it's, it's meant to be paired with like salmon charcuterie board. Right. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it works. I don't know. All right, Chris, DoorDash's revenue rose this week and Instacart's revenue took a nosedive. If you were investing in instant delivery providers right now, um, this is not investment advice, by the yeah, way. Yeah, right. Uh, where would you be putting your money? Oh, man, I don't I, I don't I think I'd be sitting on the sidelines, honestly. Yeah. But, um, you know, but like we said before on the show, I think, you know, what we're seeing here come to fruition is that DoorDash and particularly Uber Eats, too, with the, the Uber taxi side of the business are a little more diversified here yeah. because of their angle with restaurants yeah. and restaurants need restaurants i would say needing the marketplace angle to how people interact with them yes. a little bit more than say a retailer does sure. which is an important point of differentiation all right makes sense all right and last question noise off bizarre yes Whew, that was hard to say one of your favorite instagram sites launched their own peer-to-peer platform this week which item or category from the site are you most looking forward to adding to your cart? Okay. I've been scouting swimsuits for my trip. So potentially a swimsuit. There's a few on there that I really like. Um, and also a utility jumpsuit. I'm like all in on the utility jumpsuit. <laughs> What's a utility find. jumpsuit? It's basically like a fashionized janitor outfit. <laughs> but there's a belt. No, well, no. some do, but like a most full of, belt. Does that have, it has like a full it has belt, like right? A ga- it has like gathering, nice. cinching, Cinch- cinching. Oh, right. Yes. To yes. Accentuate your curves in your janitor outfit. Right. Right. But they are pretty cool. I wow. keep thinking of like, welcome back Cotter images right now. I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. All right. Happy birthday today to Tony Hawk, Emily Van Camp and Gordon Bombay himself. Ooh. And high school crush Emilio Estevez. And remember, if you can, like a dad when I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, Mighty Ducks from the Minneapolis. You sure, know, I sure, went with sure, it. Sure, sure. All right, and remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omni Talk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day, and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And if it's all within the preview pane of your inbox, you can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also brought to you in association with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities towards their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. 
and Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com.